0: Hello, and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 96. I'm your host, Emily Aries. And before I dive into today's topic, I want to say thank you for all the great feedback you gave me from last week's episodes. Last Tuesday in particular was our episode on weight At work that centered on thin privilege. And I heard from a lot of you who appreciated the long overdue coverage that this podcast is finally giving that subject of weight discrimination at work. And I want to say that I hear you, I see you, and I absolutely plan on bringing weight discrimination up in conversation here more often because it's really important. I also want to acknowledge that I was a little surprised by how many folks who are thin, really bristled (laughs) at the conversation of thin privilege. The few comments left were a little um, surprising to me as though, like, I don't know, I guess all conversations about privilege can be a little triggering and can get people feeling very defensive in sort of acknowledging that, well, it's not very easy being thin either. I just want to acknowledge that with all conversations about privilege and bias, Just because we're saying that thin privilege exists doesn't mean that being thin is all peaches and cream. You know, like being thin isn't always great either. And some people get made fun of or teased about their weight at all different body sizes. But... As a reminder, just like when we're talking about racism and white people find a way to center themselves in that conversation by saying not all white people or not all men, let's just remember that it's okay to shine a spotlight on one group of people who are facing unconscious or very conscious forms of bias. And it's okay to talk just about that population. In this case, obese people, obese women in particular, who face a ton more discriminatory outcomes when it comes to economic outcomes that we talked about with Jennifer Chennault last episode. So just a reminder, moving forward, the part of being an intersectional feminist is not feeling the need to constantly come to your own defense. And that is okay. It's Black History Month. After all, it's, you know, a good reminder for us white women in particular that now is a good time to focus on issues facing black women, which is also something we are aiming to do more of on this podcast. I will call myself out slash in on that right now. But I don't know. I mean, honestly, I cannot recommend anything better than Francesca Ramsey's book. I've said it here before. I've said it on my Instagram account before. Francesca Ramsey is a great activist who wrote, a really great book that kind of is a primer for anyone who wants to be more intersectional in their feminism or in their activism called, well, that escalated quickly, tales of an accidental activist. And if you felt triggered by the Finn privilege conversation from last week, that's a good book for you to pick up next. It taught me a lot. I think it teaches everybody how to be an active ally without centering yourself in the discussion or debate. Anyway, I just wanted to say I hear you and I see you and I appreciate all the feedback that last week's episode generated. If you've got comments to share or want to weigh in and haven't had the chance to yet, make sure to listen to Bossed Up episode 94 or go to slash episode 94 to leave me your thoughts in the comments section there and maybe peep the other comments that are there <laughs> and feel free to weigh in. Okay. So it is Valentine's Day week. It is also Galentine's Day week, my favorite holiday for celebrating the girlfriends and gal pals in your life and appreciating the women in your world, regardless of how romantic or platonic your relationship may be. And as we are talking about relationships this time of year, I like to go back to the root of Bostup's founding, which is to bring relationships, and wellness into the career conversation. We really don't talk about how our personal lives impact our professional lives enough. And the more silence we bring to that part of our world, our relationships, or our personal choices, the more shame we bring to people who make career decisions based on those choices. So today we're tackling a topic that is near and dear to my heart as someone who's moved across the country for my partner's job transition, and who has navigated a few career transitions in partnership with another person. It causes me a lot of feminist angst whenever I hear from folks who are struggling with career conundrums that have to do with your heart being pulled in one direction and your resume pulling you in another. Here is today's career conundrum brought to you by Allie, who's struggling with something just like this.
1: Hi, Emily. This is Allie. I was at the live show last night in DC. as the one with the bang. I do have a career question. I've been mulling over with some friends and family, and I thought I would give you a call to see if you or any of your great boss friends have advice. So, I am really happy with my job. I love the people that I work with. I like what I'm doing. been there for a little over two years, and I feel like there's not a lot of space for upward movement anymore. This is normally about the time where if I felt like there was no upward movement, I would start thinking about applying for new jobs or putting some feelers out there. But my partner is currently in graduate school. He just started, and he will graduate in May 2020, so about a year and a half at which time we have decided that he will look for opportunities in other cities and we will start sort of a new adventure together. So I'm struggling with, do I start putting out some feelers and looking for a new position or do I just sort of hang tight for the next year and a half, enjoy the good gig that I have, even though I'm not 100% happy with my salary, but otherwise it's pretty good. Or, you know, do I start looking and, and look for that next Great position that might be able to give me a little bit more responsibility and more experience.
0: Allie, I feel you, boss. And I so appreciate you calling in and showing up for our live podcast show. I know it's been a little while since then, but I appreciate you showing up. And I hope to host more live podcast shows this coming year. where should I host them? Y'all let me know if you want a live podcast, where should it be? But Allie, the topic of your conversation, we could have taken this in a lot of different directions, right? We could have talked about hitting a upward mobility plateau. But I want to touch upon the nuance that your question really brings when it comes to kind of holding off on your own career ambitions because your booze grad school schedule is kind of complicating things. That's very relatable, quite frankly, to a lot of women I hear from who have girlfriends or boyfriends or boo or whatever, somebody in their life that they are making joint decisions with whose kind of personal or professional life is becoming a factor in how they pursue their career. So to help me unpack this challenge, I am so excited to bring a Lynn Powell into this discussion Since she has been a long-time supporter of myself and Bossed Up, she's been a long-time member of the Bossed Up Advisory Board. And she's also someone that I know for a fact has not only made some really interesting career moves in the career services space since I first met her almost six years ago now, but has also navigated those changes as her personal life has changed along the way. So a bit more on Lynn to give you some context she currently serves as the Associate Director of Professional Preparation at the University of Maryland College Park. She and her team are responsible for developing and maintaining relationships with a diverse employer base seeking to hire top talent from the university. She also oversees professional preparation programming to help ensure students can successfully navigate into careers post-college. Prior to her work at Maryland, she served at the Cauley Career Education Center at Georgetown University, assisting employers in their recruiting efforts, and advising students interested in pursuing careers in finance and consulting. With over 13 years of higher education experience, Alin is a talented leader, visionary, and passionate about helping others pursue their passions in the world. And as I mentioned, over the past six years, she and her husband have not only navigated their relationship as it relates to their career trajectory, but also the arrival of their first child, Samuel, two and a half years ago. And there's another little lady on the way. So Alyn, congratulations, first of all, on this exciting bundle of joy that you're bringing into this world. And thank you so much for being here.
2: Emily, it's so good to be back with you. Thanks for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit about your role nowadays, because you've moved on since we first met from Georgetown.
2: Indeed. So I've now been here at the University of Maryland for almost four and a half years and for the institution oversee employer relations and so really help find a diverse set of opportunities to meet the talent needs of our students. So I do a lot of outreach externally across industry areas. It's fun because no two days are the same, no two employers are the same, and then really helping employers be really strategic in their efforts to find the right talent.
0: I love it. So you're used to career transition. You're constantly helping students make that first transition
2: into the working world. Yeah. Yes. And then when they've had one and they're alum and they come back and want to figure out the next one.
0: (laughs) So true. I love it. Well, I'm so glad to have you here in part because of your career expertise, but also because of your personal expertise. I feel like as someone who is less than a year into the institution of marriage, <laughs> but has also navigated some pretty big career transitions with my partner, with Brad right. the Boo, when he was just, you know, the Boo before uh, we put a tattoo on it, so to speak.
2: <laughs> I love it. I
0: love it. You know, a lot of women, including Allie, who call into this podcast or whom with whom I talk at Boss Step Boot Camp say, yeah, I have big career ambitions, but I also have other people's ambitions that I need to reconcile mine with. Yeah. And, you know, I personally struggle with this because as a raging feminist, I want to say, do whatever you want, women. And that's just not real life. Like there's also a part of gender equality, which involves compromise. So tell us a little bit about your family life, if you will, and sort of the career transitions or career moves you've navigated in partnership with others if you
2: would. So, we'll be married going on 10 years this summer, but we dated nice. for 7 prior to that. And I was gung ho, I want to be an individual, I want to live my life, I have career goals and aspirations before we commit, you know, to marriage to one another because I think yeah. I wasn't sure of what transitions look like in us having ambitions in tandem was. And so we spent a lot of time in partnership prior to marriage talking through those things. And I think some of the best advice I got in terms of relationship was we talk about interests, we talk about finances and those things being compatible, but we don't spend a lot of time talking about career ambition and compatibility in that sense. And where do you see yourself in five and 10 years? And here's where I see myself and can those happen in tandem?
0: Right. Because I feel like the working world we still live in today is almost modeled on, and I think this is changing, thank goodness, but it's almost modeled on the 1950s ideal worker archetype, which is a dude who has a wife at home (laughs) to like run shit at home. And then, you know, if you think about prior to the feminist revolution really starting in the 1960s, that was it for- I should say really for white, suburban, middle-class yeah, women, yeah, that wasn't that was always fair. a story for women of color and 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 working-class folks. But now that it's not this expectation that uh, that you can have a one breadwinner type family or a one worker family, I mean, how do you start that conversation? How did you start that conversation with your husband? Because he's got a very ambitious career too. He's in a leadership position. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah. So... For as long as I've known my partner, he has known exactly what he wanted to do, has had goals, very clear vision to be an educator, K-12. And so he's kind of reached his pinnacle as a principal. We met in undergrad. So we both started and we were figuring it out. And I think very early on, I went to a small private institution in the Midwest where you know the tradition was ring by spring, and and women went to college to get an MRS degree, and that was not right. who I was, and not what I was about. And so even early on in our relationship, I made it clear to him that like my career right. is really important, and this is a part of my identity that I you know intend to pursue. And if we're gonna be in partnership, we gotta be okay with my ambition and yours, and figuring out how do we balance that. And I think the reality right. is for us, it's There have been seasons, I think, about post us getting married. We wanted to be grown and adults and move away from family and friends. And so we did a joint search and we sat down and we did pros and cons together about the things that were really important to us. And we applied all over the country. And we said the first person to get the trained job is where we're going. Oh, yeah, which is I really like this. scary to think about to to me. i mean now to look back and be like, if he would have gotten a dream job in you know Tempato, how much how how committed really um luckily it it worked out, you know, I got a job offer at Georgetown, and he hadn't secured anything yet, and he was willing to make that sacrifice to yeah. say, I'm jumping all in and I'm gonna find something too, and he did.
0: Yeah. You know, the literature on yeah. this has a very annoying term, but it's the term trailing spouse. Mm-hmm. Like when you've got a big opportunity, the person who's willing to move with you is technically called a trailing spouse, okay. which I think kind of has this negative connotation to it. But I was a trailing spouse when we moved out to Denver, okay. but really we picked Denver first and then said, well, how do we how do we find an excuse to move out there? Let's get Brad a job and let's find a way to make Bossed Up really, truly virtual and in something I can do from anywhere. But I think the seasonality to being a trailing spouse is something that is so key from what you just said. This idea that sometimes one person is leading yes. the career transition and it is adventurous slash scary yes. to being open to the unknown, right? To being open to an opportunity that might not be yours. How did your husband feel?
2: He was totally open, which I appreciate. I think he came from a stance where I can do what I need to do, what I love to do anywhere. And I think him having really clear vision helped us because I'm an explorer uh, and a wanderer and you know, I'm in career services now. Who knows where I'll be in 5 years? And and so <laughs> that stability on his end is really helpful for us. But seasons have changed, you know. It was because of me that we made this big move out here. But he's now a part of a school district. He's vested. He has a pension. And so about four years ago, I was like, I'm ready to go back to where we come from. And it really mattered to him to stay rooted in this area because of what he was doing. And, you know, you take some time to climb the ladder and kind of build a name for yourself. And so... I found myself kind of saying, what does me supporting him look like without sacrificing what's really important to me? Uh, It caused me to have to refine for myself and be able to articulate to my partner what was important, what are my values in my own career journey, so I don't feel resentful at some point or feel like I'm sacrificing in support of his.
0: I think that resent can build up inside of either partner without even being aware of it happening because you're like, when is it going to be my turn? You know, I'm sacrificing for you. I don't believe in long-term sacrifice. I believe in short-term sacrifice or compromise but long-term sacrifice to me sounds a lot like like what I call the martyrdom mindset. Yeah, this idea yeah. that you're going to murder your well-being for someone else or for a job or something. And something I write a lot about in the opening chapters of my forthcoming book. There we go. That you've been hearing about for longer than most people because my poor my advisory board picked me back up off the ground a few times in those early stages. But I feel like Allie's question at the heart of it is about struggling with the fear of resentment Yes, because she's not really keen on staying in her job. She feels like there's no upward mobility, but he's in grad school, you know, like she doesn't want to leave her boo behind, you know, should she not even bother putting out feelers because of that or, and wait until his time horizon is here? Or do you feel like, the next year and a half, two years, she can do some boss move making. What would you think that she needs to start thinking about? Yeah.
2: Allie, I would say, why wait? You know, there are no constraints and two years is a long time. And so it sounds like you want to do some reflecting in terms of what's really important to you in terms of your ambition. What are the skills and abilities you want to be growing into? What's the type of environment that's going to be important to you? physical location can be multiple things, even in your same city. Maybe it's monetary for you. Maybe you want more money or you want an environment that looks different and allows a more flexible workplace. And so I think it's really taking time for yourself to figure out what does this mean for me? Not apart from partner, but your partner still factors in, but they don't have to drive this decision for you. And it sounds like you've already had the conversation that come two years from now, we're going to refigure this out again. And that should yeah. be really exciting.
0: Yeah. I feel like oftentimes I hear from women, the loyalty guilt, mm-hmm. the, oh my God, can I possibly take this job knowing that in two years or less than two years, I'm a bounce on them? Because <laughs> there's this like commitment fear that we're not going to be the good girl if we take a job that's better paying. Like, Allie, you might be able to find a better paying job in your current city and still have to leave it in less than two years or still have to move on. And I would argue it's better to do that than to not look at all.
2: Yes. And Allie, could you not in a year and a half go in, make a difference, make an impact, change a culture, add value and be moving on to another position in that organization in two years. So you may not even be in that same position two years from now. I mean, so I think we have to continue to have a growth mindset. I hear you. I'm one of those folks who can sometimes get stuck in a job and forget about my career. And I think you have to have the career insight and know that each step is helping you get to whatever matters for you and you're contributing where you are.
0: That's a really good point. That she might be able to find a job locally and then transfer in that same company yeah. when she and the boo want to make a bigger move. Or maybe the boo can like take six months to figure his stuff out after grad school. Exactly. <laughs> if you don't know what the economy is going to be. You don't want to hold off on making a move, thinking your your boo's going to get a job on graduation day. You know,
2: it's just so uncertain. Yeah, so much can change. Yeah, that's true. Don't put your ambition aside. For what could be, play it out and see and make that decision when you get there.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like that saying you can only do the best you yes. can with the information you have when you yeah. have it. <laughs> yes. And you know what? The other thing that got me thinking is she definitely has expressed a desire to make more money. Mm-hmm. But if she doesn't want to make a total job transition for whatever reason until the booze graduating, This could be a good opportunity for her to like, you know, kind of dial it in at her day job and experiment on the side, right? It's like almost a golden opportunity to be entrepreneurial if you want during this time when you're not driving 110% in the day job. What do you think?
2: Right, exactly. And it's probably a little less risky than starting all over. Yeah. And so pick up a side hustle, explore some of those creative ambitions you might have. Or figure it out where you are. There are opportunities for additional advancement, negotiating that salary, or other things that are important to you to feel satisfied where you are.
0: Yeah. And even though money seems to be part of her equation, when I hear from folks who feel like there's no upward mobility, I always think about finding lateral mobility. Like, I love the work I'm doing at Boston, but I, in some ways, feel like I've done everything I wanted to do here. Yeah. So for me, there's no upward mobility when you're the CEO of a small company, but <laughs> for me, lateral mobility means getting more involved politically here in Denver, you know, looking for nonprofit board positions to serve yeah. on, looking for how I can have a bigger impact in my community, and as much as that doesn't necessarily pad the paycheck, it sort of pads your soul a little bit when you're feeling a lack of progress, a lack of forward momentum that can just chip away at your sense of identity, right? Yeah,
2: and it takes some vulnerability to put that out there to your network to say, what are some of the other opportunities I'm not considering that would, as you said, kind of feed my soul and allow me to use the skill set that I have and maybe ignite some new passion.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Because I feel like, speaking of igniting passion, (laughs) it is almost Valentine's Day. (laughs) I always feel like it's good for your relationship when both parties feel a sense of progress in their own right. Indeed. Right? And nobody wants to be the guy or the girl who's or the person, the non-binary, non-gender conforming person who's holding back their partner, their loved one. You don't want to be the the source of resentment just as much as you don't want to be resentful.
2: Indeed. Right. And it sounds like her partner is supportive. Yeah. um, And would probably say, don't wait. You know, I I Mm. think one of the things that, you know, I've given my partner permission to do is to call me out when all I do at work is whine and complain. Maybe it's time for something else. Maybe I need an (laughs) attitude shift, you know? And so it sounds like she has that support and encouragement. And so why not leverage it and go for something? Yeah.
0: I love that. I always feel like we kind of get stuck in analysis paralysis before we have real options on the table. So, Allie, get out there. Start networking. I'm not saying to go on Glassdoor and job boards and Monster.com and just start looking. I would say start talking to people because once you've got real connections who can actually entice you with a tangible vision for another opportunity within your current city, then this debate becomes more real. I feel like it's always an impossible choice when it's so hypothetical, but to get really into the nitty-gritty is when forward momentum can feel worth it. Yes. When it's when it starts to feel worth taking
2: those risks. Right. For me, that's why that vulnerability of putting yourself out there to your network is really important because it can be so easy to think about it at home behind your computer and make excuses when you see all these jobs that aren't a good fit. But when you put yourself out there and folks start to say, well, what are you really looking at? And and you're forced to articulate and kind of start to dream. Um, It kind of kickstarts the process.
0: That doesn't mean you have to blow up your spot on Facebook, y'all. For every, every job seeker who always says to me, how can I possibly start my job search without my current employer knowing? Allie, you can do this on the DL. Mm-hmm. This is like the crux of organizing. I've been having one-on-one meetings for the past month, which is, hey, you're involved in progressive politics here in Colorado. Can I buy you lunch? You know, Can I buy you a coffee? Can we go out together? I know I haven't seen you in two years, but can we connect? And over those conversations, I've had to answer that question. People say, well, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. Okay. I want to be impactful. I want to get back into the exciting uh, political scrapple that I haven't been in for a little while. And you really, you're right. You're forced to articulate what you're looking for. And then the person on the other side of the table gets to toss some ideas your way. And I feel like at first it can feel very nonproductive. You're just spitballing, you're brainstorming, you don't leave with action items. But those people then think of you. And those right. action items definitely come out of the woodwork. So I've got a question for you because you're in a position in life that I someday would like to be in, which (laughs) is not just balancing career boss moves with a partner, but also with the responsibilities of being a parent. Yes, yes, yes. You've got cute little Samuel already two and a half,
2: you said? Two and a half.
0: And another one on the way. Uh, On the way. Baby girl on the way. So exciting, Alain. So... What do you say to people who not only fear making career moves based on a partner's availability, but based on, I need to provide for my children? Like when you are a parent, (laughs) taking big risks in your career can feel very scary. What's your take on that?
2: Yeah, I think you have to be really honest with yourself. You have to know what your priorities are. And how much risk you're willing to take, given those additional responsibilities that you've chosen to take on.
0: Those cute little responsibilities. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> you know, I think about all that I've done in partnership with my husband to raise my son and still feel like I have a full, fulfilling career. And as yeah. I anticipate what's to come, part of my real challenges. is. How do I remain fulfilled moving forward? And so for me, it means reevaluating where I am. Am am I stuck in doing what I've always done because it's comfortable? How do I model to this bossed up girl I'm about to raise that you can take risks? That you can try things out. It doesn't have to look quote unquote traditional. Right. And for me, that's going to mean I'm going to do some training and take on some side things because I want to start to dabble and explore in what else could be. And for me, to be completely honest, stability is a value for me. Right. So I'm not going to let go of what I have and just totally jump in. But you have to know that for yourself. Um, So I'm going to dip my toes in the water and see Because if it is, then I'm willing to make a transition or a move knowing some of the risk that comes with it. But you really have to know yourself. I think it forces you to make space amidst, you know, taking care of other people to ensure that you're not forgetting about what gives you life and what feeds you and what ultimately you've always dreamed and desired. And so some of that visioning, uh, having a really good support network that's continuing to challenge you. And the things that you've always said are important to you um, is going to matter. And having a long-term kind of vision. For me, it's not going to happen in the next six months. But I just had coffee with a former supervisor. And she said, spend these next three months planning and exploring and informational interviewing. So on the other side of that, you already have some vision for where you're going.
0: That's a really great point. Is that like your life doesn't need to stop. Your career vision doesn't need to stop to create. Like a total homeostasis, right? Like this state of complete and total status quo maintenance for parenting. Yeah, I think that's really important. I'm thinking of the women listening to this who might not identify with this conversation and kind of want to it- acknowledge the realities of yes, it's hard to balance work and family. Like, hello, what conversation mm-hmm. have we all been having for the past mm-hmm. 30 years? And yes, it's hard to balance your own career ambitions with a partner. But what would you say to the single women out there who are like, Ugh, I wish I could balance <laughs> my ambitions with someone else's. Because with that freedom of actually being able to drop it and, you know, move across the country whenever you see an opportunity that you like, also comes the responsibility of doing it all on your own sometimes. Yeah. Like, what do you think about that trade-off of compromise for teamwork.
2: (laughs) Well, there are so many of my single friends here in the DC area who are so driven and, you know, have done such good work in terms of their career. And part of what I say is you also have to create space for the other things that matter and are important to you. Right. Um, And so if potentially that means family, how do you put yourself in situations or environments where you're making yourself open and available? Right. You know, so it may be, it's not a sacrifice, but I'm choosing myself and, you know, a potential future um, over that additional project right um, on a Saturday night so I can go out with my girlfriends to X, Y, and Z <laughs> and be seen because we're available and we're interested or we want to <laughs> go find. Yes. Seeing life holistically, right. And making space for all the components. It doesn't have to be one or the other and everything's not 50, right? 50, right? Like the balance doesn't really exist, right? but how do you integrate all the pieces that matter to you in a way that feels true to who you are?
0: Well, Lynn, you're reminding me of why I asked you to be on the board to begin with.
2: Because <laughs> you're so fun.
0: You're so bossed up. And one of the little nuggets of wisdom you just shared, I want to make sure everyone picks up on, is the difference between choosing and not choosing, right? Right. The agency behind that decision to say, you know what, I'm not going to pick up this extra project because I want to go out with my girlfriends, is all the difference. We can yeah. take, we can have agency in our lives to say, I'm choosing not to have kids. I'm choosing not to get married or not to have a long-term single partner because yeah. I want to prioritize my career. Or we can choose to not really pursue a career because we want to put our families first. And we're not here to judge on what right. you choose, but I want every woman to be able to choose. You know what I mean cuz that is the agency behind feeling like the boss of your own life. And I Indeed. I don't know about you but I start to feel misaligned and depressed and frustrated with myself when and resentful when you accidentally find yourself doing out of a sense of obligation or tradition or gender roles or shoulds and lose touch of that own agency that own power over our choices even in small day-to-day ways.
2: Yeah, I was with a group of friends recently and we talked about, we got to get off Instagram for five days, right? Yes. Like we got to stop that, that, that filter and that influence of stuff yeah. and spend some time with self and refigure out for me. What is my thing? Yeah, and not in comparison, or not living up to, or not trying to put forward what someone else thinks it should be. What's my thing?
0: Totally at Basta Up Bootcamp. While I was there, I was reminded of how important it is to figure out how you reflect with yourself best, because yeah. a lot of the exercises we do there are talking exercises, speaking extroverted type exercises that force people to articulate their vision. And I say to the women there pick up on if that worked for you. Did that work really well for you? Because if so, you need to talk about your future a lot more often. And then we have a lot of individual writing exercises for our not-so-extroverted folks or for the folks who process better in their own sort of pen and paper. And I always say, did that give you some breakthroughs? Because if so, you got to spend way more time journaling. And whatever it is, Instagram's not it. (laughs)
2: Right, right, right. Like
0: those distractions of compare, that comparison trap is so. It gets in between you and yourself, right? It gets in between mm-hmm. what you really want and making time to ask yourself and answer that question. Often is so so key, and then ask and answer in partnership with with whoever might be in the scene. So yes. key. I love it, Ellen. Well, I'm so excited to hear about these next steps on your horizon. Oh yeah. Any other words of wisdom or parting pieces of advice for Allie or any of our bosses listening to consider when it comes to coordinating career moves with the folks in their lives?
2: I think it starts with self, you know, so spending that time knowing what's important to you, knowing where you want to go and being okay, taking small steps In partnership with whomever that might be, it's open, honest communication. So be really clear about what matters to you, how compromise can and can't happen for you. Be realistic that things happen in seasons. You know, I I may give a little more and get a little more depending on where we are and kind of where we're going. Enjoy the ride, right? Life is too short. Be full of what matters to you and spend time and energy doing those things. Be it at work, be it at home, be it with friends. And
0: you'll know. I could not agree more. Alin. thank you so much for sharing some of your precious time and talent and wisdom with our bosses. How can our ladies keep up with you if they want to connect with you directly?
2: Oh, so fun. So I am on Twitter at Alin Powell and I'm on Instagram at Lady Powell 13. So you can find me there.
0: I want to hear what you think about today's conversation. Have you struggled to coordinate career paths with your partner? And honestly, I want to hear your horror stories as much as your glory stories. So have you ever made a career sacrifice for a relationship that didn't pan out? I hope not. But if you did, I want to hear about it because I feel like those are cautionary tales we all need to hear. Or do you have a story about choosing your career over a relationship? And did it all work out in the end? Or how do you feel about it? I'm very torn on this subject. It's something I've studied for over 10 years. And to me, the sort of push and pull of my career ambitions and my desire for happy, healthy, loving relationships in my life has always been kind of a source of stress. So if you have more questions, comments, comments, thoughts, additions, suggestions for our community to hear, I want to hear them. Feel free to call into the podcast hotline with a response or leave a comment in the comment section of the corresponding blog post for today's episode, which is at bossstep.org episode 96, where you'll also find links to all of today's show notes and related resources that you might find helpful. All right, now it's time for this week's Boss Move Moment of the Week.
1: Hi, this is Katel. And this is Sarah. And we have a huge boss move. We just launched the 2019 season of our podcast, Strong Feelings. It's a show all about work, career, and ambition from a feminist perspective. Every week, we talk about crucial issues like family leave and harassment. We interview amazing entrepreneurs and authors, and we find reasons to celebrate our lives and each other. And just the other day, a listener told us our premiere episode changed the way I see my life, my work, and my relationships, seriously. Mm -hmm. That just made my week. Yes, I am so hyped to be making this kind of impact on people's lives. So what I think is super boss about strong feelings is, well, we talk about feelings. So often women's emotions are painted as a problem. And to that, we say, nope, we think they're powerful and we own that power every week. So that is our boss move. Bye.
0: Congrats, bosses. I am so glad you called in to share this amazing resource. Katel and Sarah are not only besties, but they are business partners and their podcast Strong Feelings is really as fiercely feminist as they describe. I'm a big fan myself. So when they were telling me about the launch of their season two, I said, call it in for a boss move so we can feature you. If you are looking for another fierce feminist conversation to add to your earbuds, especially one that embraces emotions and feelings. That is the podcast for you. Find it now in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, it's called Strong Feelings. And congrats, Katel and Sarah. And thanks for being members of the Bossed Up community. Alrighty, bosses. I want to hear from you. If you've got a career conundrum or a boss move that you want to share with us or you want me to unpack on a future episode, give my hotline a call right now at 910 668 or 2677. And I'm dying to hear what y'all think of today's conversation. And when it comes to coordinating career paths with a loved one in your life, is this a topic of conversation that you and your partner, if you do have a partner in your life, talk about? And as I mentioned towards the end of our interview, if you are a single lady or someone who is happy flying solo and not looking for a partner in life, I want to hear from you, too, and want to hear more about your experience in navigating relationship and career trade-offs. Otherwise, I'll be back in your earbuds this Thursday with a very special Valentine's Day episode featuring the one and only Brad the Boo. Again, I talked him back onto the podcast after y'all gave me such great feedback, and this time we're unpacking a secret to our relationship and, frankly, my career ambitions— that really work well for us. I can't wait to circle back on this topic and celebrate Valentine's Day week with y'all in another episode focused on career and love. In the meantime, applications are still open for my upcoming trainer team certification program. So once again, if you are someone who wants to do the kind of public speaking work that I do or want to hone your curriculum development skills or launch your own service-oriented business, this is the program for you. And I'm hosting my next one here in Denver on Saturday, February 23. And then again in DC on Sunday, March 24. So make sure you apply now and get all the details on what it means to be part of our trainer team, which is essentially this amazing ongoing cadre of support and collaboration and co-creation that I absolutely love at bossedup.org slash trainer team. Otherwise be well, keep bossing, happy Valentine's day and together let's continue to lift as we climb. owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most will actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at org slash speakup. That's org slash speakup.